Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? We see hope throughout the Bible. These two passages, these two verses have the word hope in it more than any other verse in the Bible. And we're going to get an understanding of what this saved by hope means. Look at verse number 19. What is the creation doing? I know we already preached on this. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We preached on that uh, a couple, uh, I think it was last Sunday. And then in verse number 20, what does the creation have in verse number 20? It has a subjection to the same hope that we have. Does that make sense? They are waiting for something in verse 19. And they have something in verse 20. And it's the same thing that we have as Christians. Hope. And we opened that up and, and talked about that in a previous sermon. If you think about, think about the land. Think about the sun. Think about the clouds. Think about the animals. The creation labors for us. I mean, wicked people that hate God can get a solar panel and grab sun and, and from God's created order and use that. And, and the creation's laboring for we get rain and crops grow and animals we eat them and it the, the creation is laboring for us. It's about sick and tired of us. <laughs> It's waiting for the manifestation of the, of the sons of God. I mean, it can only it can only stand us for so long. But it, you know, I'm, I'm being a little silly. But what I'm saying is, there's some hope that the creation has along what we have. There's just something not right about unfruitful sinners who could care less about God, yet at the same time they benefit from the fruit God provides them. Something not right about that. God's going to fix all that. And that's what we're learning in Romans 8. Just like creation, we are in a hope state. We are saved unto a state of hope. Romans 8, you know, you've been with us. Romans 6, Romans 7, and now Romans 8 brings us this glorious truth. That, okay, we're talking about Christians who now are in Christ and there's no condemnation. We are in the spirit. The spirit of God dwells within us. We have the spirit of adoption. We're children of God. We're heirs, joint heirs with Christ. All of that, we're saved. So this saved by hope, we're going to get an understanding of because our soul's saved. Talking to Christians here. But go to 1 Peter uh, chapter number 1. And let's see if we can open this up a bit more. We are in, right now, a condition of hope, and we're waiting for some things. 
And the things that we are waiting for are so much better, far superior than anything that we can have currently on this earth. First Peter 1. Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively, here it is, hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when Jesus saved us, it was unto something, a lively hope, by something, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when the Bible says in Romans 8, we are saved by hope. We are saved unto this, this, this state of hope that we are in for something better to come. And verse number four to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If all you see, if all I see is present disappointment, present pressure, present trials if that's all you and i see god asks us he commands us to turn our eyes unto glory he's not asking us to act like it doesn't exist it exists but you know what else exists an inheritance incorruptible that's undefiled that fadeth not away so why are we living as if it has faded away we have something reserved for us in heaven. And if all you're going to do is complain about the problems, God says, stop it. I've got a reservation for you. Maybe take some time to think about that. You know why? We can be saved by hope. will save us from stressing out over something that we can't change. And go to John 14, because I want you to read it with me. John 14. All the stuff we're worried about, our inheritance and our reservation in heaven, it doesn't have any of those things. That's why that is our hope. And it's going to be the glory which shall be revealed in us. So while we are kept here on earth, we have our hearts and our minds affixed on something that is kept for us in heaven. Right now, you can't do anything about you're kept here on earth. While we are kept here on earth, think about. What is coming? John 14, verse number two. If you believe God, look at verse two says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Did God promise that to his people? Do you believe God's promise? You have a hope of something better. Don't lose sight of that. And you know what your inheritance tells you? All of us 
never, ever have to say again, I'm poor. You never have to say that. No Christian should ever say that. And if you say that, you either, A, don't understand the eternal inheritance that you have, or it reveals to you and to others that your focus is constantly on what's going on down here. Because every t- every day you can make the argument, I just need more money. Maybe you need more hope. You're not poor. You have a very, very rich inheritance. You're a son, an heir, a joint heir with Christ. Go ahead. I mean, just try. Try to calculate the wealth that you've inherited. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. You are not poor. You may only have beans to eat. I may only have rice to eat. We may only have water to drink, but we are not poor. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 21. I think there's one person, maybe two, that have lived through the Great Depression. None of us had to live through that. We expect. We expect food because we're American. Kids had their uh, piano recital last night. And it went real good. You know, kids come up and they play with the teachers and practicing with them. And at the end, they have this, you know, this spread of food. And it was a great spread. And the piano teacher is a Christian, praise the Lord. Asked if I would pray over the food. I thought that's pretty good. You got all these people taking lessons. They all have different beliefs. and um, I thought that was pretty admirable of a, a secular business owner that do that. So anyway, you pray over the food. But, you know, you, you pray over food and it's like you didn't have to. We didn't have to spend three months growing. it. Ladies, a lot of times and men, a lot of times we don't have to spend hours preparing it. We could just go buy it. (laughs) For a dollar and a half, you can get cheese that's chopped up into perfect little squares. And ladies, you don't have to sit and chop it. And you could just go buy it, unzip it, open it up, and dump it in there. They didn't do that during the Great Depression. We get to do that. I just, I guess the more I live and the more I see and the more I learn, the more I speak to people, the more I realize Americans complain a lot. And it just ought not be be so. Um, Pastor's been speaking and watching online and appreciating the messages. The situation is in Haiti isn't as profitable as it is here they don't have money for when people come to church they're hoping to get some food now that's not the only reason they're going but if you're hungry guess where you're going to end up looking at when you come to church the refrigerator in the kitchen i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that 
because you would do it and I would do it if we haven't eaten for two days. Right? Amen. You have clean water. And you know, you can turn on your spigot and you can put that in a bottle and you can drink that the next day and you won't die and your kids won't die. I know we go to Walmart and we got to buy all this bottled water because we don't trust the water and all this. And that. Okay, fine. You have the money to do that. You have the luxury to be able to say, you know what? I'm not drinking the spigot water that's free. Well, it's not really free, but it's a lot cheaper than the Walmart water. I'm not saying you're wrong for doing that. All I'm saying is you've got the luxury to do it. Many people don't. They're poor. First Corinthians three, look at verse number 21. Bible says, therefore, let no man glory in men for all things are yours. You have an inheritance. Whether Paul were Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you're Christ's and Christ is God. Stop living like this earth and all the vanity that it's filled with is your home. It's not your home. You're a pilgrim here. You know what a pilgrim is? He's heading to a destination that is fixed and he knows where he's going. And someday I'm going home. Someday you're going home. My father is rich in houses and land. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and of diamonds, of silver and gold. His coffers are full and his riches untold. I'm a child of the king. How about you? Are you a child of the king? Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the King. A tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. And people just pour all their life into their little tent, all their, all their life into their cottage, all their life into their house. God's got something bigger and better and more beautiful anyway. I know you need to have a place to live, but though exiled from home, yet still may I sing all glory to God. You know what I am? Hey, you know what I am? I'm a child of the king, amen. Does anybody else want to shout about that? Amen. You a child of the king? Are you a child of the king? My father's own son, the savior of men, once wandered on earth as the poorest of them. But now he is reigning forever on high and will give me a home. I said, and will give me a home. Will give me a home, amen, in heaven by and by. You know where your home is as a child of the king? It's in heaven. I know that we say, hey, we're going to go home after the service. I get that. That's our temporal home. I understand that. But there is a home by and by. In heaven. And. God's not going to be upset. If I sing a note. That's all. 
I once was an outcast, stranger on earth, a sinner by choice and an alien by birth. But I've been adopted, my name's written down. How about you? Has your name been written down and heir? Guess what? To a mansion, a robe, and a crown. How's that to be a child of the king? How's that to have a home that's much better than what you've got now? Doesn't it? Water's not going to break. You don't have to do any plumbing. You're not going to have to worry about uh, the weeds coming up and killing the crop. I'm telling you, we're not poor. Go back to Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 24, the Bible says, but we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For the man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Because if you own something, by default, you're not hoping for it. If you see it, you hold it in your hand, you don't, okay? The Holy Spirit enables you to hope for something that you can't see but will 100% absolutely come to pass, and you will inherit that. Folks, life is not hopeless. It's only hopeless if you put hope in the Pope, if you put hope in the Baptist Pope, whoever that is, if you put hope in the government, the government officials, and just go on down the line. A lot of relationship problems can be solved by hope. Looking up rather than looking at the problem. Psychology has entered into the church. Because if a problem occurs in a marriage or family or relationship, the preachers are now sitting down with the couple. And they're regressing and going back in years. Well, what happened to you? Okay, and what happened to you? Well, here's why that's happened to you. Is this why that happened to you? And it's just back and back and back and back, dwelling on the problems. Hey, look up. You've got a hope of an eternal inheritance. We focus on problems. You want to know how to fix the problem? You sit the couple down and you say, you're not going to talk. I'm going to talk. You've got problems. So you're going to, you're going to listen to me and I'm going to talk. And I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And most of the answers are easy. But why listen to someone talk to you for an hour about all their problems? Get an understanding. Hey, what's going on? But let's move on and get out of problem zone. And let's get, out, let's get into hope zone. There's hope for the relationship. There's hope for the marriage. There's hope for the kids. We just got to get people stop fixating on the pressure of the problems here and start living with an eternal perspective. The older generation, I think, did this easier because they weren't growing up as 
stream zombies. Amen. Well, this world is just so full of sin. It's just soaked with sin. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But here's how the world defines hope. It's a hope so. The world defines hope as a maybe so. In other words, the world will tell you hope is just uncertainty. But God doesn't define it like that. In Romans 8, verses 24 and 25, hope is defined as a certainty, a surety. It's not, I wonder what will happen next. It's, I know what will happen next. I know that I've got a blessed hope. Sorrow and disappointment are everywhere and will continue to be everywhere. Look up. Don't look down. <clears throat> when first Peter, we already read it. We don't have to turn there. But when it says, begotten us again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That, that right there defines it. It's active right now. You've got something that you can tap into. Rather than always being affixed on the problems that are happening right now. In Hebrews 11, I know you all know this chapter. We're going to look at it anyway. Hebrews 11. We get the definition here. Uh, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope manifests itself in faith, whereby it the elders obtain a good report. Look at verse number four. By faith, Abel offered unto God. Verse number five. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But when he was translated, he ended up being better off than the condition that he was now. And he still pleased God. I'm telling you. You are going to be translated. And your body is going to be better off than it is now. Your situation is going to be better off than it is now. Now, I've taught this chapter or this verse before about when people say the Bible is just a translation. It can't be as good as the original. Well, I don't know. This verse seems, seems to teach that Enoch was translated and he was better off than he was in his original condition. I mean, doesn't that make sense? God gives us some clues in his Bible about translation you are going to have a redeemed body it's going to be better than your original form why because you're going to be translated you're going to be redeemed god's going to do something that nobody else can do and people say well i need evidence of that they do that say well, they come up with all types of reasons to not be okay with this book king james bible's just a translation it's got archaic words in it i don't understand well, i don't know we've got kids that can understand it's just a bowing up and a rebellion against not believing what god promised that he would do well there's no verse in the bible that says that there's a lot of verses in the bible that don't say things that you believe but by faith we believe that god promised to preserve something 
And by faith, it gives us a life of hope so that we can live for something better. A translation is going to occur. Yes, our soul is saved, but there is something that is not complete about our salvation, our eternal inheritance, and our redemption of our body. That has yet to happen. I'm not saying anybody's not saved. If you've trusted Christ, you are. But the completeness of your salvation has not been wrought yet until something happens with this vile body. It has to be better than it is now. If you don't live a life by faith, you're missing out. It's not just knowing the verse. Look at it says, verse number six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Verse seven, by faith, Noah. Now you got to have a lot of faith. You got to have a lot of faith. You get a guy that never saw rain. I mean, plants were watered from the ground up. You got a guy that never saw rain and God says, I'm going to just boom, open the, the heavens and all this and, and flooding. And You got to admit that takes a lot of faith. We see rain all, all the time. We see flooding. We turn on the news. We see what's going on in Florida. And, you know, storm comes next thing. You know, you know, we're at Walmart. We got to get that bottle of water, you know, because <laughs> you can't drink rain water and you can't drink tap water. So, you know, these things happen and we just all rush to Walmart. We just have the luxury to do it, you know. But you got a guy that had some serious faith. And he had no results from his preaching. I always thought that they should have, I got a friend of mine that just, I, I, I think he's just great, great open air preacher. Um, but that, that ark they built over in Kentucky, been there a couple of times and I always envisioned my friend just right out there. I, I, I think they should have a preacher there, you know, just preaching. And I mean, but you think about Noah, nobody wants to listen to him. You talk about faith. And then his wife, no, I heard this sermon so many times. You want to, you got any new material? No, this is what God told me to. <laughs> Imagine being Noah's wife during that time. Oh, good night, honey. It's the same thing. Would you quit yelling? These people aren't listening. That's faith. But we all do it. We want to come in and fix the situation, do this, do that. We get, I do it. I'm sure you do it. But we live a life of faith. Of something for something that's better. And we go through this verse 8 by faith. Abraham by faith. He sojourned in the land. Verse 9. Um, verse 13. They all died in faith. And we see at the end of verse 13. Watch. Confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. <clears throat> One of the reasons I named. Uh, we, we went with pilgrim Baptist. Uh, is because of. That is a confession. World's not my home. This town's not my home. How does God work out Southerners welcoming a Yankee? How does that happen, Brother Kelly? It's got it's got to be God being in it, recognizing 
Even some of the preachers I've met, why do they welcome me? I'm not from around here. I don't talk like that. Meaning the accent. Because of this verse. We know we're going somewhere. And in the meantime, this is where God has us. Right? We have a hope. Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. And now they desire a better country that is and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And there's nothing wrong with Ladies wanting to, you know, I like this town better than this town. I like this state better than this state. I like this weather rather than this weather. I like these birds better than these birds. I like this. Um, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But if all we are affixed on is perfect weather and perfect plants and perfect farming, we're way off base. Because God says he's got something better for us. You've got an inheritance. And you're saved by hope because if you have your hope, your heart affixed on that, that blessed hope, it's going to save you from stressing out on the earthly pressure that we need to go through. We looked at Romans 8, we look at 1 Peter, we look. We just looked at Hebrews 11. The only question left regarding hope, it's not when. Uh, it's when, not if. It's not if I'm going to get an eternal inheritance. It's just when is that going to happen? That's the only question that's left. It's just future. People is, well, I just can't live in this world anymore. I can't stand it another week. Okay, does Christ live in you? Oh, I didn't think about that. Nevertheless, I, not yet I, but Christ that liveth in me. People have their hope in this next election. They, they do this every two years, every four years. All these conservatives should just stop trying to be conservative and just start trying to be biblical. That might be a good start. Well, I'm conservative. I'm not. I'm biblical. I want to be biblical. And they get their hope amped up. Man, if, if we get the orange man in again, it's going to change. What's going to change? What's going to change? You might keep your guns a little longer. What's going to change? You might have more money a little bit longer. You might pay less taxes a little bit longer. My hope's not in that. Don't have your head in the sand. But if you're affixed on that continually, it's just going to be another letdown. I've got something better. You've got something better. You save by hope. It'll save you from stressing out from who's going to get elected in 2024. They're all liars. Okay, They're all liars. Every single one. Of them. They are not looking out for your best interests. They're looking out for their best interests. So that's that's that. That's that. Ask me if you want to go to this thing down Capitol Hill. I said, if you bring me to Capitol Hill, I can tell you how it's going to go. Thank you. See, a lot of times you're okay with me bowing out. 
because I'm going to, I'm going to talk to that politician about the gospel. And I think that's the right thing to do. I think that's the right thing to do as a preacher of the word of God and as a Christian. So let me ask you this. Do you only see the consequences of sin? And is your theme always despair instead of hope? The consequences of sin aren't going away. That's a given. So you can either be consumed with that and be in, be in a spirit of despair, or you can realize, yep, this is the way God said it was going to go. I've got a blessed hope. You're not. Don't, please, don't live your life as if I'm just waiting to die. I'm just waiting for death. No, you're waiting for life. You're waiting for life to really happen good. Eternal life with your Savior. We long for something better, the liberty of the glory, that belongs to you as the child of God. Romans 8.25, it says, but if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for, wait for it. We don't have it in our possession. We've gone through that. What you see, you already have. You understand that. But the hope of the Christian is we trust that we will see something that we don't see right now. And we will have something that we don't yet have in our possession. How are you going to be saved from the current trials that you're going through? Hope. That's it. That's it. Go to First Peter. I want to look at. I want to look at uh, a couple more passages and we'll, and we'll wrap up. Go back to First Peter. Back in Matthew 8, his, uh, the disciples came to Jesus. The storm is going on the sea. And they awake Jesus and they say, Lord, save us. We perish. They're just focused on their difficult problems. And they got away from hope. They got away from patience. They got away from trust in the Lord. They wanted to decide how the thing was going to go. You want to decide how the thing's going to go. And when we do that, when I do that, when you do that, we end up walking by sight, not by faith. Even though we know that the Bible says we should walk by faith, not by sight. First Peter chapter 1. Should have read it when we were here, but I think it makes more sense to close out with this. Look, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Anybody feel like that this morning? Man, my heart's always heavy. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than if gold perishes. Though it be tried with fire, might be found of the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We look for the joy in the present, but we have unspeakable joy that's coming in the future. Amen. That's what we're doing. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Look at verse number 17. 
2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. We hiked the other day. And at the end of it, man, oh man, my low back is fired up. Now that's at 50. I don't know what it's like to live at 60, 70, 80, 90. But I know it can't be as easy as it is now. There's some afflictions that hit. But for a moment, but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, what is that? That's the distress. That's the affliction and the pressure of the world. But at the things which are not seen. That's your hope, the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. You're saved by hope. Because when you look to the things that are not seen, it helps you not stress out about the stuff down here that you can't change. And last verse, and I'm done, go to Titus 2. <clears throat> if I ask the senior saints why nobody says this anymore, here, there, in the air, they used to say that that was a saying Back in the day, they used to say that all the time, here, there, in the air. You know why they don't say that anymore? Modern American Christianity, you know why they don't say, like, we'll see you here, there, in the air. You know why they don't say that? Because of this sermon. Because of Romans 8, 24, and 25. Because they are so affixed on earthly things. And 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, culturally, Christianity was different. They lived their life for a blessed hope. That's why it was, hey, I'll see you here, I'll see you there, or I'll see you in the air. Why? Because they were affixed on a blessed hope. They weren't distracted with earthly pressure. Watch. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness, and worldly lust. Well, gee, that's a novel idea. It really isn't. It's a biblical thought. We should live soberly, righteously in this present world. Now, I read it like some of these modern guys read it because they the word godly to them, it's so scary. The preacher said godly. It's God. We serve God. God created us. He wants you to live godly, wants you to think godly, wants you to talk godly. Everything you do should be for God's glory. The reason young people don't do that, the, the, the concert was at a church in town the other night. And so we went into the church, which is a good experience because, man, it's beautiful. The outside, it's just beautiful. They get the money for this. We we'll walk inside and we're disappointed. It literally looked like a nightclub. My wife said, I, I don't even feel like I'm in church. Everything's black. Like they got the walls were just blacked out. Most of it, most of it was stage area. They got two sets of drums. 
the whole thing is set up where they can fit for this for the jam session. All of the space you walk through, they got this huge coffee bar, cafe. I'm like, where do you get the money for this? Because carnal people want to buy carnal things. And this is why when Brother Jimmy says, hey, anybody want to go to the festival, hand out tracks and preach on the street? Uh, they're against it. And American Christianity is bought into that. We just want carnal things to appeal to our carnal flesh. And the church leaders have said, hey, look, they're not going to come by the way you preach. So why don't we just kind of, and it's all dark in there. Everything's dark. Why not just bring in the band? It just, it, look, it brings the kids and at least we can talk to them about spiritual things. And, and that's the way it goes. Because they're so focused on earthly things that godliness has now moved out. If you preach on godliness, godly living, godly thinking, any of that, it just loses people. It loses. They can't take it. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in where? This present what? world right now and as we do that here i'll see you here there in the air as we do that in this present world which we can do because we're saved by hope and we can, he says looking for that what blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ look the holy spirit that lives within you draws you and guides you and compels you and I to look up, not look down, to live righteously, to live soberly, to live godly in this present world that's completely wicked. If you would just look up because you know you've got something better, you know it. you're not poor anymore. You've got something far greater. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.